0: ESPN Sports Radio thirteen hundred and ninety two point
1: five. Mm. Now for something completely different. We're gonna bring, bring, bring it all together. Cause it's the bottom line. Bottom line. Bottom line.
0: Bottom line. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Live from beautiful downtown Lexington. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on this Saturday, 859-381-1313, if you'd like to call and join in on the conversation. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. On today's show at around 9.30, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will join us, and he's given out plenty of UFC winners on this show, and tonight... Conor McGregor, we've actually heard of him. We don't know many of these UFC guys, but we've actually heard of Conor McGregor. He's fighting, and he's an underdog. How is the only really big name in UFC right now an underdog? We'll hear what Vince has to say about how we play this one tonight and the rest of those fights. The NBA Finals continue. Our College of Football Handicapping knowledge continues for the upcoming season. Who are the best coaches to invest in out in the desert? both nationally and in the SEC. I can assure you the answers are not who you think they are. We will discuss. And, of course, the most profitable segment at Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of The Bottom Line. Thanks again so much for listening. But first, Billy Martin. The Reds are in the middle of a huge four-game series with the Brewers in Milwaukee this weekend. They've split the first two games. That includes a game Thursday night that the bullpen blew late. And the game last night where the Reds won as a slight underdog out in the desert. They were about a plus 105 consensus when that game first pitched last night. Let's be honest, Reds Nation. It doesn't look good for the next couple of days because the Brewers will be favored to win both of these games due to the starting pitchers from Milwaukee, both being among the top ten in Major League Baseball this season. In fact, the Brewers are sitting right now as an over 200 favorite, consensus minus 210. That's big. They're one of the biggest favorites on the, on the board out in the desert today. And when we were handicapping this National League Central Division before the season started, we said it on this show many times, We wondered aloud why the Cardinals were such decisive favorites. The main reason we thought the Brewers had the advantage in in this division, they had two main reasons. One, they had three guys atop their starting rotation that are as good of a group of three starting pitchers as anyone had in Major League Baseball. And if we learned anything from watching the Atlanta Braves in the 90s, regular season, having that great starting rotation It'll win you games in the regular season. Playoffs, and that's a different story. Regular season, having a great starting rotation really helps you get to the playoffs. One of those guys is starting today from Milwaukee. That's Freddie Peralta. We'll talk about him in just a minute. But that's the reason they're such a big favorite today. But if you watch the first two games of this series, you see the biggest difference between the Brewers and Reds is the bullpen. When you have a closer like Josh Hader and set up guys like Devin Williams and Brad Boxberger, like the Brewers have, both of whom, Williams and Boxberger, they'd both be closing for the Reds today if they changed uniforms. If the Reds had the Brewers' Brewers bullpen, you might be talking about getting in line for playoff tickets in Cincinnati this October. That's how good they are. But the Reds don't have that bullpen, so you probably won't be sitting in line for tickets. But Billy Martin... Had a different take on bullpens back in the day. Billy Martin, a fantastic manager back in the 70s. But he had some serious demons personally. So many, in fact, that you can't even count how many times he was fired by George Steinbrenner and the Yankees from back in the day. And he burned basically every bridge he made both in New York and outside of New York. But he knew how to use a bullpen, too. He made a Cy Young Award winner in 1977, out of Sparky Lyle who did nothing but come out of the bullpen that season. But Martin was fired as the Yankees for the umpteenth time in 1979, and after that, he had to go prove himself. So he went to Oakland in 1980. And the Oakland A's were a terrible team in 1980. They had a young Ricky Henderson. That was about it. They had some starting pitchers who could compete and a bullpen That was an absolute disaster in 1979. So what does Billy Martin, the great manager, and a guy who's got to go somewhere and prove himself, what does he do? He changes everything. The whole way he's managed. He changes it right on a dime. And instead of relying on a bullpen like he did in New York, he makes his five-man starting rotation the Iron Men of baseball. In 1980, the Oakland A's starting rotation had 94 complete games that year. 94 complete games. That's over half the scheduled games for a season. So over the half the time, more than half the time, whoever started for the A's finished the game for the A's in 1980. Oakland had three guys that year with over 20 complete games for the season. If if that happened today, there'd be people going to jail for abuse. So what happened? The year before Billy Martin arrived, 1979, the A's won 54 games. The next season, Billy Martin's first season, and he put all those starting pitchers, said, just go pitch those complete games because he knew his bullpen was terrible. Oakland won 83 games, a 29-game improvement in one year. Billy Martin had changed his managing tactics based on the talent that he had. What a novel concept. How many times in the NFL have you seen players fail because a coach couldn't find a way to utilize them? And that player that goes on to another team that can find a role for that player, and that player succeeds. It happens. It happens in the opposite way, too. I remember Herschel Walker, the big trade of the century in the NFL. He was going to be a Hall of Famer if he stayed with Dallas. But he gets traded to Minnesota. And they do things a certain way in Minnesota back then. They did it their way. You have to fit to what we're doing. We don't fit to what you're doing. Herschel Walker goes to Minnesota, and he's looked upon as a failure there. Even as a leader, whether you're a boss or whatever in this world, you have to adapt to your talent sometimes, not have your talent adapt to you. That's what Billy Martin did. He knew where his talent was, and he utilized them the best he knew how. Equate that to the current Reds. And we've gone on and on and on about their bullpen problems this season. And things have improved for them lately. Why is that? The starting pitchers are lasting longer into games, thereby kind of hiding the fact that the bullpen isn't very good. When a starter lasts five innings in a game, and that lousy bullpen has to get 12 outs, it's very likely bad things are going to happen because at least three or four guys are going to have to pitch. But if a starter can go seven or eight innings, like Wade Miley did last night, the chances of that bullpen blowing up are a lot less. Huh. What a novel concept, playing to your team's strengths and playing against your weaknesses. So what have the Reds been doing lately to play this shell game with their lousy bullpen? They've just limited their innings and their exposure. Wade Miley goes eight last night. Tyler Miley went six. The night before, although he probably earlier in the season would have been taken out before six innings in that spot. The night before that, Sonny Gray went seven innings. Now he's on the injured list, but he's coming back right after the All-Star break, allegedly. So it's not really the big loss you think it is. But for the last six games on this road trip, and the last Sunday, the last game at, uh, with the Cubs at Great American Ballpark, the Red Starters have all gone at least six innings or more. That's a lot different than early in the season when the starting pitchers were lucky to get five innings in. That bullpen was exposed day after day as the frauds that they are. So David Bell has said this week, okay, our bullpen is beat up. We've got two guys on the injured list right now. Our two main bullpen guys, T.J. Antone, Lucas Sims, they're out. So we need our starters to go as far as they possibly can to cover up the weakness of our bullpen. Just like Billy Martin did in 1980 when he saw that lousy Oakland bullpen and just turned every game over to his starters. But this whole thing is a short-term solution, not long-term. You, had, you would have never seen the Braves of the 90s do this with three future Hall of Famers in their starting rotations. The investments were too high. But with these nobodies out in Oakland, nobody really cared if they threw their arms out. Even Billy Martin. By 1982, all of those starting pitchers that completed all those games, they were all going downhill. They were all missing time due to injuries. And by 1984, those pitchers, all of them, were basically done as Major League players. But Billy Martin got what he wanted out of the experiment. He proved himself outside of the Bronx and the Yankees by winning in a place that seemingly had no chance. So he did whatever it took to win games today so he could get back to the Yankees tomorrow. That was his only goal at the time. So who cares if it costs five guys their careers, which it basically did. It got him back into the Yankees' dugout because he proved himself. He knew he had to win today. And he won by adapting to the talent he had instead of having his his talent adapt to his way of managing. And he won. And by limiting those bullpen innings, The Reds have become more effective this season, especially lately because they don't pitch as much anymore. We've documented all season how this bullpen has been fighting with those mile-high Coors guys from Colorado for the worst bullpen in baseball. But today, the Reds sit as the 28th worst bullpen in Major League Baseball out of 30. That's the best they've been sitting since opening day. So with fewer innings thrown, they've been better. Amazing how that works, huh? So the Reds' recent hot streak can be mostly attributed to starting pitchers going further into games and hiding the shortcomings of the bullpen by lessening the number of innings they are used. And yes, Heath Hembry has pitched like Goose Gossage and Bruce Suter for the last, this month, five games pitched, four saves. But nothing in this 32-year-old's past leads you to believe he can keep this up. Remember, Heath Hembry is a guy last year had an ERA of nine. And hasn't had an ERA under four since 2016. So if you think he's the next Rob Dibble, you might want to rethink that. But by limiting the exposure and having the number of innings pitched on the decline, the Reds have risen in the, in the standings. And if you think bullpen ERAs don't matter in Major League Baseball, look at the five worst bullpens in the league. Colorado, Arizona, the Reds. Detroit, Baltimore. What do all those teams besides the Reds have in common? They're all big losers. That's not a coincidence, especially in today's game. So if the Reds continue to use this mini version of what Billy Martin did in 1980 and let the starters go deep into the games, they might, just might, be able to make a wild card run. That's something we would not have said if this bullpen was still pitching like they were the first three months of the season, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 92.5. the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Last night in Milwaukee, the Reds beat the Brewers 2 to nothing. Wade Miley did it all yet again. He pitched eight shutout innings and hit a triple, scoring an insurance run late in the game. According to War, win above replacement, Miley has been the most valuable player on the Reds this year, and it hasn't even been close. And if you're worried if the Reds are out of it at the end of this month, are they going to trade him? Well, Miley has a $10 million option for next season. That's the team's option. At this point, he's earned that $10 million. So the Reds might think twice about selling Miley if they feel like on July 31st they're out of this thing. But according to the Desert this morning, the Reds have a 12% chance of winning the National League Central and a 20% chance of making the playoffs. It's a lot better of a chance that they've had the last few times we've checked on this. But, of course, there's still a couple of guys in this lineup who are still bringing this team down. We've talked about Eugenio Suarez all year long. Another 0 for last night. Still hitting 176 on the season. But he's got, a, he's got a buddy now. He's got a partner that we're starting to put next to him in terms of guys who are bringing this team down. Kyle Farmer has somehow gotten 240 at-bats this season. He's hitting .217, but unlike Suarez, he doesn't hit as many home runs. At least Suarez has hit 17 home runs this year. Kyle Farmer has hit seven. That .217 average, yeah. It makes Farmer and Suarez about as equal as you could get in terms of lousiness so far this season. That's why you keep looking. Will one of these guys, will a Moustakas come back? Will a Nick Senzel come back? Will somebody come back to get Kyle Farmer out of this lineup, thereby eliminating a huge hole at shortstop? Which he's been basically all season because he's got 240 at bats. It doesn't seem like he does, but that's neither here nor there at this point. Today in a game you can hear right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. It's 6:45. It's Game Three of this four-game series in Milwaukee against the Brewers. Vladimir Gutierrez goes for the Reds, four and three with a four-six-seven ERA, while Freddy Peralta pitches for the Brewers. He's great, seven and three, but a two-point-two-three ERA. The magic might be over for the Reds' rookie Gutierrez, who now has an ERA plus of under 100 for the first time this season. It's 98. And after a decent start, it's been downhill for a while now for Gutierrez. In his first four starts, Gutierrez, ERA 2.74, and the Reds were 3-1 and in those games. That's good. But in the last four starts, Gutierrez has an ERA of 6.75, and the Reds are 1-3 in those games. Not so good. But Gutierrez has started twice against Milwaukee this season, and the Reds won both times with Gutierrez having a 2.77 ERA in those 13 innings he pitched. If you put $1 on Gutierrez every start this year, you'd be up 58 cents right now. Congratulations. But today will be the seventh time in nine starts this season when Gutierrez will be an underdog. And when the, and the Reds are 3-3 three and three in those games, including June 23rd when Gutierrez was a plus-125 road dog against Milwaukee. And the Reds put up a rocking chair 10-2 win. The odds are a lot more against Gutierrez today, though. You're looking at almost a plus-200 line with the Reds today because they're facing Freddie Peralta, who's been outstanding this season. ERA plus 186. That means he's 86% better than an average pitcher. And for our money, Peralta, a top-10 starting pitcher in this league right now. He's top five in the National League in ERA, ERA+, strikeouts, and fewest innings per nine. And unlike most pitchers this season who've got a little bit freaked out with the spider tech, he's gotten better as the season has progressed. In his 10 starts, Peralta, ERA 1.63. And he hasn't given up more than two earned runs in a game in any of those 10 starts in which the Brewers are 7-3. and three. Peralta started three times against the Reds already this season. And in, uh, he has a 2.870 ERA in 15 innings. And the Brewers are 2-1 t- in those three starts. And not only that, but Peralta catches a lot of tickets out in the desert. Career. When the, he starts for the Brewers, Peralta 23 up and 16 down. That's 59%. Return on investment, 8.9%. And it's even better this year, his return on investment in the desert, 25.6%. So no matter how you cut it, Freddy Peralta is a good bet both in the real world of baseball and out in the desert. But here's the rub. Milwaukee, a huge favorite today. Minus 210. That's too big. That's too much. In Major League Baseball, I don't like to lay anything, especially minus 200. Nothing that big, regardless of the fact that favorites have been cashing quite a bit of tickets out in the desert since June 1st. So the value today, and a considerable amount of it, is with the Reds. If you can get Gutierrez through 6, and that's a big if considering his recent struggles, you might have a big chance for an underdog, cashing a big ticket. So the value is on the Reds today. Not saying that they're the best uh, team in this one or the best pick, but if you made me pick one, eh, give me the Reds getting plus 200 odds, and that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5, the bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective, coming up after the break. We'll talk about Reed Shepard and, of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. I did not know we had the new voiceover guy. Just give me an intro there. What an honor. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening on this Saturday morning. A lot of buzz in the uh, Big Blue Nation yesterday. Reed Shepard was given a a scholarship offer from John Calipari and the powers that be at the University of Kentucky. And uh, if that's what the kid truly wants, hey, God bless him. I'm sure like every other kid that grows up in Kentucky, it was a dream come true for him to get the word that he will be welcomed into the Big Blue family if he wants to go there. But I've seen this before. Heck, I saw it. We all saw it last year. Dante Allen. Relegated to bench duty in games. Calipari made silly excuses why he wasn't playing. I go all the way back to Rex Chapman, who's basically kind of about my age, I guess. I don't know. And, uh, and I'm not talking about his trip to the Apple Store. I'm talking about the expectations of these Kentucky kids when they go to the University of Kentucky, especially these five-star kids who are going to Kentucky and they have the weight of the world on them. Rex Chapman... Rex Chabot could have been Michael Jordan at Kentucky, and it would not have been enough to live up to the expectations. He was a cult hero at that point. And when he left, I mean, Eddie Sutton had run the program under the ground. They were on double-secret probation already. Rex Chabot averaged 19 points a game his sophomore year at Kentucky, and it was still seen around here as a disappointment. That's how much pressure is on these Kentucky kids. I don't see how Reed Shepard could live up to any expectations based on his legacy of his family and based on all the hype he's already gotten. and But you have to keep one thing in mind, Big Blue Nation, and the world as a whole. We're sitting in July of 2021. This kid has two more years of high school before he sets foot on any campus as a player, whether it's Kentucky or not. So whether Reed Shepard takes the court in an actual game, when that happens, it'll be November of 2023. That's 28 months from now. A lot can happen in 28 months. Heck, we just went through a COVID pandemic that pretty much knocked out a year or so of our lives that we'll never get back. So if you want me to get fired up today over a kid from Kentucky that won't take the Florida game for 28 months, yeah, can't do it. I got a lot of tickets to cash between now and then. I'm worried about today. Who can cash tickets for me today? Reed Shepard can't cash a ticket for me for at least 28 months. So just because I don't sit around and fantasize about a kid who just turned 17 years old and hasn't even gone to a senior prom yet about playing for their favorite college basketball team, that makes me a bad guy? Well, I'm a bad guy, and that's the bottom line. So my thing is, don't get so fired up, Big Blue Nation. It's 28 months from now when he'll take the court in a game for Kentucky. Let's just, uh, there's other things that will happen in the world between now and then. Not a slight to the kid, just saying. Let's keep things in perspective a little bit. And speaking of perspective, let's get to our handicapping perspective for the day. Our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake's Cigar Bar. What do we do when we cash a big ticket out in the desert? We celebrate with a big Mac Daddy Stogie from Jake's Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. And like they say down at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, cross the line with us. So look them up online, Jakecigarbar.com. Make sure to tell Jake and Autumn down there. Our friends uh, that the bottom line sent you, they'll get you the VIP treatment. That's uh, jakesigarbar.com. The NBA, Suns are up 2 to nothing right now. They've covered both games in these playoffs. The over has gone over. The total's gone over in both games in these playoffs. Uh, we're headed back to Milwaukee tomorrow night. We hope you heard us last weekend say take the Suns in game one and for the series. Uh, I think we're looking pretty good with that right now. And remember, if you miss any shows, you can go to our website, wlxg.com and catch a podcast version of this show in case you missed it when it's live. Uh, we've said the entire playoffs, the one time you should follow the public and play the favorites out of the desert is the NBA playoffs. And if you've done that this spring, like we, we said, you'd have cashed 51 tickets so far in these playoffs. Favorites, 51 and 36 against the spread. That's turning a profit. Milwaukee, a minus-4 point favorite, headed back to uh, Wisconsin for Game 3. This trend kind of looks like a good investment in this one, too. If Milwaukee's going to win any game in this series, it'll probably be game three. But if you're looking to take Phoenix in this series, I might suggest looking at the MVP. There's only two guys that are going to win this thing if Phoenix wins. It's going to be either Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Booker's still waiting to get the, the call to check back into the game in the 2015 Final Four against Wisconsin. That's neither here nor there. Chris Paul about a minus 125 to 150 favorite win the mvp right now booker's about plus 250 to plus 300 depending on where you shop personally I always despise playing awards like this because they're voted on by humans and they just want to vote for narratives that fit their whatever their loves or whatever and it doesn't show the real value of players but kind of like betting the uh mvp of the super bowl to always be the quarterback of the team you think will win you'll get more value on chris paul or devin booker than you will the Suns right now. We'll have more of this NBA tomorrow. But right now, we're going to have our college football of handicapping knowledge for this week. Who are the best coaches out in the desert to put your money on during the college football season? Oh, the first two that come to mind. It's Dabo Sweeney. It's Nick Saban. Clemson and Alabama. Of course, and they're good. Dabo hits 55% against the spread. Nick Saban hits 54 But who are the best? Who are the best coaches? to go on out in the desert. It's not those two. Currently, if you take two teams blindly out in the desert every week, you have cast tickets at a very high rate. He's a man. He's no longer 40. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State, against the spread in his career, 114 up, 86 down, 57% against the spread. That's a 10.9% ROI. And second, a coach that gets maligned quite a bit out in the desert, but a coach that covers a lot of point spreads, David Shaw of Stanford. He hit 71 up, 52 down, that's 57.7%. 12.3% return on investment. So, yes, you've made money if you go with Dabo and Saban every game, but you make a lot more if you go with Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State and David Shaw at Stanford. Public expectations. You don't have the big big brand names in Clemson and Alabama. Cashing tickets is what it's all about. We say it on this show all the time. That's a guy, Mike Gundy and David Shaw. those are guys who have made you more money than anybody in college football. So keep that in mind when you're handicapping games this season. Oklahoma State and Stanford, those are teams often live up to and surpass expectations. That's why they cover a lot of spreads. That's why Clemson and Alabama don't always do that. That's the bottom line on that. We'll have more College of Football knowledges going forward. But today in Major League Baseball, there's one team that we like. There's a They're about even right now in the desert, about a minus 110 on each side. The Atlanta Braves are facing the Marlins. You think immediately, oh, why? how is this game even? Well, it's because of the starting pitchers. Max Freed for Atlanta, 5-5, 4.66 ERA. Trevor Rogers, a great pitcher for Miami, 75, 2.22 ERA. This line opened with the Braves a short favorite. The public hammering the Braves. So why is this line dropping? This uh, shows a sign of a lot of public uh, sharp line reversals. That's something we like to follow. Miami, always tough, and they're at home in this one. This appears to be some liability on the over in this one, too. But the Marlins, 21-20 at home. The Braves, 19-22 on the road. Miami has gotten the better of Atlanta this season, 6-4. to four in their 10 games so far, but I'm getting the better pitcher. I'm getting a team in Miami that's hanging in there. They're not a playoff team, but they're hanging in there while the Braves totally underachieving this year, right around the 500 mark all year. Give us the Marlins today in our Mac Daddy Stogie getting a nice line, and I've got one of the best pitchers in the league so far this year in Trevor Rogers. I've got the home field. Yeah, give us the Miami Marlins. Over the Braves tonight, that's our Mac Daddy Stogie. You can take that bad boy to the desert and Jake's Cigar Bar and smoke it. But coming up after the break, our good friend Vince Stover will talk all things sports. And, of course, it's a big UFC night. Conor McGregor is going. That's next, coming up on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Can't believe the voiceover guy's done two of those now. We've made it big here on the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. ESPN Radio 1392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. And to help us with one of the biggest uh, wagering events of the day, maybe for the month, it's UFC night. And when that comes on, we go to one man. He is our good friend, this ho- the host of the Sports Stove Podcast. He's our good friend, Vince Stover. Vince, how are you today, my friend?
1: Oh, Brad, I'm doing great. It's a great sports day on this Saturday.
0: Yes, it is. And you know what? We're going to do this in honor of you. We're going to just hit the Conor McGregor fight first. And I remember wow. watching. Exactly. That's It's a huge event now. Uh, we're trying to placate to all our uh, degenerates out here. Conor McGregor. Remember Rocky Three when uh, Mickey would not let Rocky uh, fight Clubber Lang? He goes, the worst thing that could happen to you is what happens to any fighter. He gets civilized. Has Conor McGregor gotten civilized with all this money he's made over the years, and that's not made him a good fighter now because this line opened out the desert. He was a minus 120. Now he's an underdog. Your thoughts on the Conor McGregor tonight?
1: See, that's the question. You don't know what Conor you're going to get. Um, the, last, let's see here, three, the last three fights he's had, you know, he lost two out of three. The one that he won was against Donald Cerrone, and that one everyone knew he was going to win. Uh, He hasn't fought a good fighter and won in five years. 2016 was the last time that happened. So now you've got him coming up against Poirier, and the question is exactly what you asked. Is he too civilized or is he ready? And I'll tell you, it's hard to know because he's a good showman, he's a good entertainer. Uh, From what I've seen, I think he's ready for tonight, and I think he's going to put on a show.
0: Yeah, do you think? But yes or no? Does he win this match? Because I know he lost to this guy not long ago, and some people were saying maybe it's a little bit too soon to be coming back.
1: Well, it's not too soon to be coming back. Okay. I I picked him to win uh, in our in our podcast on Thursday, but it's not a confident pick because if Connor wins, it's going to be in the first two rounds. Uh, once it gets past the second round, I think it's Poirier's to to win from there Poirier being the favorite you know I understand why that is but it's gotten it's gotten pretty personal here especially in the last week between the two of them um and I think McGregor is legitimately upset and angry about some stuff that Poirier said back after their last fight for that reason I think he's going to be motivated and I think he's going to be focused so I've got him winning tonight but it's going to have to be in the first two rounds
0: There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Our UFC expert, Vince Stover, says Conor McGregor, the underdog, the uh, shocking underdog in this one, uh, will win it early. So there you go. Get your action down. We'll get to the rest of Vince's UFC picks at the end of this segment. But first, we need to get to baseball. And before you went on your little magical mystery vacation around the country looking for Tom Brady, we tried to warn you, Vince Stover, that the Brewers had a very easy schedule. They had a lot of Pirates and D-backs and Rockies coming up on that schedule before the All-Star break. Lo and behold, they went on a long winning streak. Now they have large lead in the National League Central. Are you finally ready to join me on the Brewers' bandwagon? I've been here since March. We still got room for you on it, Stover.
1: What do you think about your <laughs> Brewers now? All aboard. Uh, I, I'm on. I'm on now. There's. I don't see any team in the Central. That is better than the Brewers, and at this point, uh, it's theirs to lose.
0: theirs to the lose. So when I look at this team, do you see any team in Major League Baseball with a top three starting pitchers better than the Brewers? Because I, I, right now, I don't. And a back end of a bullpen with Josh Hader as solid as any team in baseball. Do you see any team that can rival that?
1: Well. <laughs> That's a tough question. As it sits currently, probably not. The Dodgers are the, are the, you know, the rotation-wise, but we have no idea what's going to happen with Bauer moving forward. So that puts a wrinkle into things for them. Uh, top three pitchers, I would put Tampa when they've got everybody, or excuse me, uh, Dodgers when they got everybody. But Milwaukee's right there. I mean, three all-star starting pitchers, that's, that's pretty good.
0: You mentioned the Dodgers. You make up a good point. Bauer... Is he even going to pitch the rest of the season? We don't know right now. Clayton Kershaw just got his arm checked, a little uh, forearm stiffness. That's always bad news. Uh, all of a sudden, that rotation that had all those Cy Youngs, uh, not so much. Now you got David Price coming out of the bullpen. Is it really the starting rotation you thought it is? That's still going to be to determine. But let's look at the Reds. Two games, they split the first two. They really need to win the next two. But, oh, I'm sorry, you've got to face Peralta today and Woodruff tomorrow. The Reds and this bullpen, we talked about it earlier in the show. They're letting the starting pitchers go a little deeper in the games now, kind of hiding this bullpen a little bit. The Reds, are they going to make the playoffs Vince over?
1: When Wade Miley has to be your starter and your closer, uh, you have problems, uh, for sure. I just and I've said it, I've I've said it loud on my podcast. I think the reds are going to take a nasty dive here in the second half of the season. I don't think the offense can keep up with the the numbers that they've been, they've been hitting this season. And the pitching staff just is not good enough to maintain 500 baseball for the reds. So, you know, I, I think they're going to take a, a nasty dive here in the second half. Now, some of that depends on what happens at the trade deadline, right? If yes. everything sits as it sits currently, I think they take a dive, but Trade deadline's coming. The Cubs are sellers. The Cardinals are nowhere to be seen. Uh, so then you're just talking about if you can get the right piece brought in. Maybe they bring back Chapman. Maybe they bring in Craig Kimbrell. I don't know. They have. There's going to be options out there. And uh, so maybe they can shore up the bullpen and, and actually continue to, to play right there around 500 or just above 500 baseball.
0: ESPN Radio thirteen hundred ninety two point five. The bottom line with Brad Taylor and our good friend Vince Stover from the full, the Sports Stove podcast, they're never bringing Chapman back here. They took a bath on that trade the first time. Why would they want to relive that embarrassment again? Yeah, I, if they make any, tra- if they're a buyer at the end, yeah, it's everybody but Chapman for that bullpen. They're not. But I don't see the Yankees selling either. So I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that. But yeah, so you sit there. You start, let's look at these games today: Brewers and Reds. Do the Reds have a chance at either one of these games? You've got two of the best pitchers in baseball going for the Brewers the next two days.
1: Well, you do, but, you know, when you're talking about, I, to me, when you're talking about division games, then there's just there's always that possibility. They, they see each other a lot. They know exactly, you know, what's going on. They, they've got good video, good stats, good everything against each other. So it's never just going to be a give-me, especially – the way the season has been going currently. So, yeah, I mean, there's a chance, um, you know, we've seen since spider tack things have changed a little bit. I'm not sure that Gutierrez can, can can pitch with Peralta, but, you know, at the same time, all you got to do is score, what, five, six runs, and then you're you're in the game. So uh, Castillo's gotten a little bit better. He goes against Woodruff tomorrow. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think they could still split, split the next two games, you know, one of the next two games here with, with Milwaukee. So
0: yeah, there are better chances tomorrow I, with Castillo going because he's been a lot better pitcher lately. Lately, we'll talk about this game tomorrow uh, in terms of Castillo and how good he's been of late. But yeah, it's it's tough to take Gutierrez. He, they've got value today in the desert because it's such a huge line. Like I said, it's minus two ten out in the desert. I can't lay that with anybody. I don't care if it is Brewers. You know, <laughs> Peralta against uh, an unproven pitcher like Gutierrez for the Reds, the Cardinals. Should they be sellers? Should they be dumping? We sat here before the season. They were the favorite in this division, and they haven't done it. They went out and got Nolan Arenado. They've got Goldschmidt. But they haven't really done a whole lot this year. They don't have much in the pitching rotations either. Should they be sellers at the end, just like the Cubs are going to be, it looks like?
1: Yeah, I don't know who they would sell. Arenado, they're not going to get rid of him. They just got him. Uh, Dylan Carlson, he's kind of losing his value right now. Goldschmidt, maybe. Uh, no, they're they, not getting rid of to me, to me, they don't have anybody to sell. Uh, so they've got to be buyers or or stand, stand pat where they are. Um, this is, I think, just a throwaway year for the Cardinals. You kind of have to look to next year and go, okay, this has just been a bad season. We'll fix it what we can with the rotation and the offseason, and we'll come back next year stronger.
0: National League West, last time we talked, you weren't a big believer in the Giants. They're still hanging in there. They're still the best team in the National League. Are you now on board with them?
1: No, I mean, I think they're a playoff team, no doubt. They've, they've been very consistent throughout the year. Um, they've been great at home, and they've been decent on the road as well. Uh, you know, And with the things happening with the Dodgers pitching, you know that's going to help the Giants, no doubt. San Diego is still really good, too. We can't forget about them. So, you know, I still think San Francisco finishes, uh, you know, top three in the division. <laughs> Which still could land them some playoff potential, but uh, man, I just I, I cannot buy in completely on the Giants at this point.
0: You talk about the Dodgers pitching. I know he's from Lexington, but Walker Bueller. Look at his uh, spin rates and look at his numbers since the Spider Tech came, thing came around. Uh, they're a little bit lower than they used to be, too. Just saying. I'm not trying to throw shade. I'm just saying the numbers don't lie.
1: Uh, are we? Yeah, supposed- but you know, Brad, that's. It's across the board though, right? I mean, yes. you look at Garrett Cole, one of the top yes. pitchers in the league. So it's not like we look at a player that his spin rate is, has gone down and we go, ooh, shame, shame, shame. No, everybody's doing what they can to succeed. And, and at this point, they got to figure out a new method. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's modern-day McCarthyism with all this spider tech stuff. If the numbers say this, oh, you, done it. you did it before, so you're doing it now. It's like your boy uh, Corbin Burns who hides it in his hair. If you can't see that, I, I, I mean, I can see that. I'm, I'm an idiot. I can see that on TV. So, yeah, he's rubbing his hair after every pitch. He didn't do that, and his hair is long. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. Uh, are we supposed to believe in these Mets? Because Jacob DeGrom, I still say there's smoke, there's a fire with this guy.
1: So the issue with the Mets, though, is their, is their offense. Um, now, now, obviously, if DeGrom goes down, that's going to hurt <laughs> majorly for the Mets. But the issue has been that Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor have not been hitting the way they're supposed to hit. But they're the team I'm, I've been preaching, watching the second half of the season, because that offense will come around. They've got the right guys there as long as DeGrom stays healthy. And, and I'm, I agree that where there's smoke, there's fire, and you've got to be careful with this DeGrom situation. But at this point, the Mets just need to be smart with them, um, You know, use them as little as possible, and get them to the playoffs. Because DeGrom's the best pitcher in the league. There's no question about it. This offense, though, they are the worst scoring team in Major League Baseball, uh, with the exception of the Pirates. They have the, the least amount of runs scored, and that changed just this week. They were below the Pirates going into the week. So they've got to find their offense. But their pitching has been phenomenal. And it's not just DeGrom. The pitching has been very good for the Mets.
0: ESPN Radio, 1,392.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor, with our good friend, Vince Stover, from the Sports Stove Podcast. Last time we talked, uh, I said the Astros were going to win the American League, and then the next week they lost a three-game series at home to the Orioles. Are you still on board with me saying the Astros are going to win this American League?
1: Yeah, they're the best team in the American League right now. Um, they they just they are. Record-wise, they're still below Boston, but they're better than Boston. They're better than Chicago. They're better than Tampa, Toronto. You name it. Oakland, they're the best team in the American League. They should be in the World Series, uh, barring major injuries. They should be in the World Series here at the end of this season.
0: Let's switch gears. You're a big Kentucky basketball fan. News came out yesterday. Reed Shepard now has an offer from Kentucky. Of course, if he signed today, he would not be on the floor at Rupp Arena for another 28 months. Now, should the Big Blue Nation be fired up about this, or should they be wary because of all the Kentucky kids in the past who have kind of not lived up to expectations at UK?
1: See, this is where you miss out by not being a fan of teams. Uh, this <laughs> is something that no, I don't it believe me. <laughs> this gives people hope two years out. That, that things are still going well. Listen, I'm a firm believer that no matter what sports you are, you should try to get the best player in your state to be on your team. Um, will Reed Shepherd be the best player in Kentucky his senior season? You know, there's a good chance that he will. Then the the immediate comparison is to Dante Allen. And listen, Dante Allen, um, you know, he had a great high school career. Uh, he's a very good player. I think I, I like Dante Allen as well, but. You know, the question comes down to who do they build the team around? They didn't build the team around Dante Allen. He was kind of an afterthought. Is Reed Sheffer going to be the kind of player that they can build a recruiting class around? If not, then he's going to be like Dante Allen and get sparing minutes and things like that. You know, it's Dante Allen last year, I think he could have helped this team. I think he could have done a lot more for this team and and really improved the offensive side of the ball. But... He played 10 minutes or less in nine games, got five or fewer shots in 11 games. He was given limited opportunities, and he didn't take advantage of the opportunities that he was given. Uh, With Reed Shepard, though, I think there should be excitement. I was a huge Jeff Shepard fan back in the day. Uh, So as a Kentucky fan, yes, it's exciting. Now, what kind of role, if he comes to Kentucky, will he play? That will depend on how he continues to get better and what kind of class they build with. If they're building around Reed Shepard, He'll play a key role on the team. If they build around other people, then obviously he's going to have a lesser role. Um, You know, it'll be interesting to see Cal has another opportunity this year with Kentucky guys. He's got two of them this year with CJ coming over from Iowa and then Dante Allen still on the team. What kind of roles will they play? Uh, Well, we'll see. You know, Cal is, you know, he makes those assumed promises to the five stars. And we saw last year he refused to take them out of the game even when they were playing horribly. So he's going to have to make some adjustments, but the kids also have to take advantage of the opportunities they have.
0: Those other Kentucky kids you mentioned, Dante Allen and the, the kid from Iowa, one of these transfers, they, they weren't as highly uh, regarded, though, as Reed Shepard is right now. Like I You know, I, I think uh, Rivals has him number 39 in their rankings for two years from now. I mean, those, you know, yeah, we, Jeff Drummond is a guest on this show all the time. And, you know, he makes good stuff and good ratings and all that. But you can't really go by these ratings to the T. But, I mean, I think some of this is kind of uh, maybe trying to uh, make the masses happy in the Big Blue Nation, if you know what I'm saying. Is, is that something I'm missing out on, too, not being a fan?
1: Well, I mean, you're right. And the deal with, with Reed Shepard is he's still pretty young. And so you have to give him, you know, what happens next year? Does he get better? Does he stay the same? Does he does he drop in stats and things like that? To this point, he looks phenomenal. And uh, and so that's why the excitement's there. But what happens if all of a sudden his senior year, he's averaging 12 points? Uh, you know, then yeah, that he's looked at everything. as a
0: failure, just like Rex Chapman when he was a – Rex Chapman could have been Michael Jordan. He would have been a failure at Kentucky. That's the thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So as it looks right now, Reed Shepard's the real deal. Um, I mean, he can shoot, he can, he can drive, he can defend. He looks like the real deal right now. The question is, is will he remain that or not? And there's time to see, uh, how that goes, you know, from there. You look at, I really think what Cal does, uh, with CJ this year coming over from Iowa, what kind of opportunities he gets, um, how much playing time this team, by the way, this Kentucky roster. It might be his best roster ever. Now, you look back at the year where they went almost undefeated, you know, okay. But this this roster, there is no excuse for failure this year. None whatsoever with the roster that he's acquired. The question will be the rotation, how he makes it fit, and uh, did he get offense this year as opposed to just lanky guys that can't shoot?
0: Yeah, you talked about that year they almost went undefeated. Yeah, you're talking about the year Devin Booker didn't play in that game against Wisconsin very much at all. Yeah, didn't play the last 12 yeah. minutes or something like that. Yeah, 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 I remember that very well. So does the Big Blue Nation. Uh, if I'm Reed Shepard, you know what? I just turn heel. I go somewhere just to just to make everybody here mad. But that's just me. I, that's <laughs> yeah, just my you, attitude. That's,
1: yeah, that's I'm... not if you're Reed Shepard. That's if you're Brad Taylor. Well, that's, that's <laughs> probably right too. I would turn heel.
0: Go to Duke or Tennessee or something Yeah, somewhere like that. All right, it's UFC night. uh, Vince Stover has already given us uh, Conor McGregor as a dog in this one, early, first couple of rounds. Who else in the UFC should we be on tonight? Vince
1: Stover. I like two other dogs. Gilbert Burns is going up against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Thompson's a really good fighter, but so is Burns. Burns' last fight was a loss to the champion Usman. Uh, To me, he's got the talent and enough to beat Stephen Thompson. He's at plus 135 in most places. Uh, So I like him to win. He's the co-main event. I also like Yana Kunitskaya. She's still the underdog, even though her her opponent, Aldana, missed weight. And so that's always a problem. Uh, So I'm going with Kunitskaya there as well. She's at even right now. The other fights on the main card, Sean O'Malley is minus 900. He's going to win. But I really like they got a a debut guy, Chris Mutino there. He's going to at least make it interesting. And then tied to Avassa, he beat the local Richmond. Uh, UFC fighter Harry Hunsucker in his last fight. He's a favorite tonight at minus 150. He's going up against Greg Hardy, the former NFL player. Uh, that's just scum of the earth. And so we're all cheering for two, Taya Tuovasa just to bust his face in tonight, break his teeth, and end and, and his career. So Tuovasa, uh Gilbert Burns, McGregor, Kunitskaya, and O'Malley. Those are your, your fights to watch on the main card.
0: Unbiased and unemotional picks from Vince Stover (laughs) for the UFC. Well, maybe except that last one.
1: Except for one. Except
0: for the last one, yeah. Biggest night of the UFC uh, probably this year. So, uh, yeah, make sure to get your action down. Vince has given us some great picks in the UFC this year. Vince, thank you so much for joining us, and may the winners be yours tonight.
1: Thanks, Brad. Thanks
0: for having me on. Anytime, buddy. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. We uh, will be right back and get you ready for the rest of the day on ESPN Radio. Coming up, ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. Running a little late, that Vince Stover rambles on and on as usual. Jeez. I'm kidding. Kind of. Today on ESPN Radio, 645 Reds and Brewers. Gutierrez versus Freddie Peralta, one of our favorites. Brewers minus 210 right now. Sheesh. Value on the Reds, but oh, that's a big number if you want to take the Brewers today. We thank you so much for listening. Make sure to tune in tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. We will be here again with the bottom line, good Lord willing, and uh, we'll have more fun and excitement from the uh, sports handicapping world. Make sure you can uh, follow us on Twitter at BottomLineLex. Email anytime, BottomLineLex at gmail.com. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.